You are listening to the Nirvana Podcast, Episode 3, Bleach, Side A. Hello everybody and welcome to the Nirvana Podcast. My name is Sietse. And I'm Jiritje. And in this podcast we talk about the band Nirvana. That's what we do. Yes. First two episodes we did were more focused on the history of the band. But this time things are a bit different because we're going to talk about Nirvana's debut album Bleach. And we're going to focus a bit more on the music this time. Yes, looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Uh, nevertheless, would you mind um, giving a short recap of the previous episode? Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, last episode we talked a bit about, well, the, the real birth of Nirvana. Uh, the moment that Kurt and Chris started to play together and uh, the various incarnations of their band <laughs> with uh, different uh, weird names. Um, different drummers, um, rehearsing a lot, trying to get gigs, uh, messing them up. (laughs) (laughs) And also how Kurt tried to find a label to release a single or an album and eventually got interest from Sub Pop, uh, the label he didn't send (laughs) a demo to, but uh, who were quite new and were really interested in uh, Nirvana and offered them uh, eventually to uh, release their first single. Love bus, and after that, well, that's where we are now, basically. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, I think after the single got released, they did a small tour, which wasn't very successful. No. Some gigs had to be cancelled because there was no audience at all, <laughs> or just a few people showed up, and they they didn't really um, no. hit it big no. uh, just yet, people, which isn't surprising. People, no, people didn't know them yet, and because that single was only available for the Sub Pop Singles Club members, which was a great idea and successful, but still was only, I think, about 2,000 people or whatever. Yeah, I think, I think 1,200 1200 copies were yeah, yeah. made. Yeah. So that means that that's not a huge crowd to also get into concerts. So, no. yeah. But still, the single was well received and yeah. it eventually led to the opportunity for them to record a, a full album. Or actually, at first, it was supposed <laughs> to be an EP. Yeah. I, I still haven't really figured out that story. No, I think that Sub Pop wanted them to do an EP first. For people who have no idea, I think we touched a bit upon it last time, but uh, an EP is basically a shorter version. It's somewhere in between a single and a full LP, so like six numbers, something like that. I can only assume that Sub Pop who were just starting out and didn't have a lot of cash yet and didn't know exactly how sales would go probably thought well let's just start small and and then increase the volume um that's the only thing i can think of yeah why they wanted to do an ep eps were obviously also cheaper to buy so maybe they thought like okay people will maybe want to shell out a few dollars for a band they don't really know but not the full price could yeah Possibly, or maybe they weren't confident that Nirvana had enough good uh, songs yep. to put on there. Could be. Uh, maybe they underestimated Kurt's songwriting abilities. Yep. Because he had written a lot of songs. Yeah. There's uh, older demo tapes we've talked about in a previous uh, episode, uh, full of songs that didn't make the cut for the album. Uh, so he came up with a lot of new new songs. Maybe 
maybe that's why they thought, well, let's take it easy at yep. first. But anyway, it, it, it led to them uh, starting the recording sessions on Christmas Eve 1988. The quote uh, that belongs to that fact is that Chris uh, later said in an interview because they uh, didn't have anything else to do at <laughs> Christmas Eve. Aww. Yeah, it's a bit sad. But um, <laughs> they went to a reciprocal um, studios uh, to work with uh, Jack and Dino, who had uh, recorded them uh, twice before yep. uh, th- that same year, because in January they recorded their first demo with him. And in the summer month, they recorded the single and some extra tracks as yep. well. Uh, and that eventually led to uh, the album that we're, uh, we all uh, have come to know as Bleach. Although I have, I have a little uh, confession to make. When I first discovered this album <laughs> when I was around 14, 15 years old, uh, for, uh, for a time I thought it was called a Blech. You know, like, like, a, <laughs> like a, a sound of, of yeah. you know, repulsion or something <laughs> like that. Because I didn't know the word Bleach. No, that, that makes sense that you didn't know. I've always been a bit taken aback by the fact that bleach is printed in inverted commas like as if it's a quote <laughs> which i never really understood why they did that <laughs> yeah maybe because they wanted to make clear that the band was called nirvana and the album was called bleach and not the other way around mm, could be i mean bleach could have been a name of a band as well right, it's true. better than Ted at Fred or <laughs> exactly <laughs> could be other yeah. other names they uh, discarded <laughs> apparently um, the working title for the album or at least the title that, that Kurt uh, uh, played around with was a uh, too many humans <laughs> that's a great title yeah I love that but somewhere on uh, on tour they saw a poster hanging that uh, told junkies to bleach their works because they wanted to uh, prevent well, yeah, the, the AIDS uh, <laughs> yeah. epidemic. Work, works uh, refers to uh, uh, needles, needles yeah. not to, uh, well... Their I, job. I, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the, apparently they joked about it. I said, well, if things are going this way. The bleach may become a very valuable substance. And somehow the word stuck with, I think, with... Uh, Kurt Cobain. It's it's a good word, and and also I I think it really fits the album cover as well because they have that photo on there that's inverted, yeah. uh, like the, the, the black negative. and yeah, yeah negative. It's black and white's the other way around, so that that feels like bleached somehow. So that f- yeah, that's true. Fits yeah. Also, if you if you look at the the cover, um, you can see uh, four guys, uh, three of which uh, we. Uh, we already knew Kurt Cobain, of course, uh, Chris Novoselic, and uh, the drummer of the time, uh, Chad Channing. Uh, but the guy on the right with the long curly hair, he's new in the band, or actually at time of the recordings, he wasn't even in the band. No. <laughs> it's a guy called uh, Jason Everman. Um, he is credited in the original version of the album as a guitarist. Now, uh, right in front of me, I have the uh, uh, 20th anniversary edition. Uh, there he isn't featured as a guitarist anymore, nope. just as uh, a special thanks to Jason uh, Everman. He doesn't play on the album, nope. but he was very important because he uh, coughed up the money to, <laughs> yeah. to have it made. <laughs> Actually, he played with them live a couple of times, so that's yeah, why he's on yeah, in But photograph. only after the album had exactly. already been yeah. finished. Exactly. He, I believe he worked for three years as a, as a fisherman. Something yeah. at really? Canada, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, on a, on, a, on a boat. Right, okay. And that's why he had some money, because the other guys oh, were... Oh, right. 
broke all yeah. of the time. That's why he had some money. I think he played with Chad in another band before, yeah. so they knew each they other. They knew each other, yeah. And, and he agreed to lend them the money yeah. to, to make the album because, well, the record label didn't have it either. <laughs> <laughs> that says a lot as well. Yeah. <laughs> so he coughed up uh, the amazing amount of $606.17, which it apparently cost to make this album. Uh, which isn't ex- completely true, I think, because uh, also on there is the, the single Love Buzz. And they had already paid for that uh, some extra money. Yep. And some of the earlier demos are on this album yep. as well. And I think they had um, paid for that separately. But uh, but still, it's an amazingly cheap. It's a cheap mind. album. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I've read somewhere that this is probably one of the albums in music history that... Um, Gained the more money, uh, the most money in yeah, comparison, comparison to, to yeah, what it costs. What it costs to make. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's quite Somebody amazing. estimated second only to the uh, Sun Records by Elvis. Right. Yeah. <laughs> didn't cost any, basically anything. <laughs> Probably not anything, no. And, uh, e- even less. And it's still selling today. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and I think that I mean, what happened with this album is that it didn't sell that well when it first was released. But after the second album was released and Nirvana became a really big band, then lots of people came back to this album and were like, yeah. okay, oh, so they made something else yeah. as well. Let's buy that. And then it, uh, yeah. so then it really took off. Yeah. Um, by the way, the last uh, thing I heard about uh, the money that uh, uh, Jason Everman put into this is that he never got repaid. Aww. Not even when they were <laughs> the Aww. biggest rock band in the world. They. Uh, yeah. And and maybe there is one thing we need to say before we start with the first song because uh, we're dividing it in A side and B side. Oh, right. um, so we're doing just the A side uh, again for people who aren't used to LPs. Um, that's yeah. what you get when you have like a, a front side and a back side. <laughs> Look it up on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm I'm from the CD generation. Yep. So uh, I'm. Well, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the term and also uh, I like playing uh, vinyls yep. now, but I didn't grow up uh, playing them. But no, and, and back then, because um, you knew you would have that A-side and B-side and on cassettes as well, they had an A-side and B-side as well, um, you had to think about which songs would go on what side. Yeah. Um, we are now using the 20th anniversary version. That's slightly different from the original version that was released 20 years before that. Um, We'll get to that later, but that also means that there's a slight difference between A-side and B-side, but this is one that is generally on release now. You can find it on Spotify, whatever, so it makes sense to use this version. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, By the way, that's not only the case for the 20th uh, anniversary. (laughs) It's just a re-release they did in the early 90s. Yeah, that's true. So uh, they they put on two extra songs. So we're just going to talk about the first uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. Yep. So um, here we go. Uh, Let's uh, have a listen uh, to the opening track called uh, Blue. song 
<laughs> it's uh, I mean yeah it's the opening so I think we talked about this like the first episode that I got this album on cassette uh, for my cousin um, so that meant like no skipping to other songs or whatever yeah. you just started at the first song and you played it all the way through to the end and this is such an amazing opening I think I mean imagine getting a cassette tape for the very first time and and <laughs> pressing play and then hearing this is like okay so this is kind of cool i want to hear the rest of it i think yeah. this is like it's an, a, a really amazing opening because it's i mean there's familiar sounds in there you, you feel that metal sound a bit going on in there and but at the same time it's so different from a lot of stuff that went on in that period mainly i think because of the the really clear sound um, and and the melody that comes in there that it's yeah it's really great song yeah yeah you just said that it's a great opener for, yep. the, for the album um, the band itself wanted to uh, have this song as the last uh, track yep. on uh, on Bleach uh, but they got overruled by the <laughs> by the label yeah uh, who um, completely uh, changed the, the order of the songs and now it's the, it's the opening yeah do you think this is the best song to open the album with. I'd say so, yeah. I mean, there might be other songs that could have worked as well, but I think that this is a song that showcases both their heavy side and their melodic side. So I think it's it's a great showcase for them, and it's also it it has a great hook that that really pulls you in. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they um, they kept on playing it live for uh, for the next years, and yep. like usually at the end of their set. Yeah. So I think in the <laughs> For the band, it was still better as, uh, yeah. as something to, to as a closure. But I, I can imagine that it it would really work as a closing track as well. But especially in concerts when you know it, then it's like, oh yes, now they're gonna play this one, and it's it's a great one to go out on. So yeah, yeah. tuning of the track is a story of itself. Uh, yeah, it sounds really <laughs> really heavy and really really low, and um, that's because it's in a, a bit of a strange key. Uh, what they did a lot uh, on this album and on other uh, albums as well is they uh, tuned down their guitars half a step. Yep. But the story uh, for this song is that they wanted to do that and they forgot that they already uh, did it. Did it. <laughs> yep. So it's it's a complete step below a, a regular tuning of a guitar. Yep. Also, they played in drop D, which means that you uh, tune down the uh, low E string of your uh, guitar. Yep. So it makes an even lower sound. What do you think? Does it work? <laughs> well, for me, it works because it's, I mean, especially for this song, I think the fact that, that it's even lower in, in, in C in this case, gives it that extra edge. Um, you immediately, even if you have like no knowledge of of music theory or you don't play an instrument or whatever, you sort of hear immediately that the sound is different. So yeah. I think that that works for this song. I don't know if if there's a, we've talked about this before, there's a lot of stories and, and myths yeah. and I have no idea if they really did that by accident or maybe they did it on purpose. I mean, they tried a lot with different tunings throughout their career. Like you said, they were great musicians, knew what they were doing. Apparently the recording sessions went really professional and smooth. So 
I would assume that maybe they already tried this before uh, and maybe the idea of, oh, we did this by accident is is a nice myth, but we'll never yeah. know we weren't there and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> no, well, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I'm, I'm having troubles believing it as, as, as well because like you said, they were professional uh, musicians. Um, they were a, bit, a lot more professional, I think, than they... Uh, wanted people to think yep. about them. I mean, their live shows were really energetic and chaotic and um, all over the place at times. But in the studio, every producer they work with said that they were yep. professionals. They knew what they wanted to do. Um, I think also that that the producer, uh, what was the name again? Jack and, Jack and Dino. Said that when they did these sessions, they were so much more professional than like the two times before that they now really... They knew what they were doing. They'd rehearsed. They were really... So, I mean, yeah, that fits. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, uh, the producer would say, hey, now you're in a different key. Yep. Uh, <laughs> are you sure you want to do that? Yeah. And But I, I, th- I think they wanted to project the image of now we're just fooling around. We just... I think in one interview later, Kurt even said that they never rehearsed, which isn't... Which isn't true. <laughs> no, which isn't true at all. They rehearsed a lot, especially around this time when yeah. they were just... Uh, starting up the band they uh, but that it's that myth that a lot of people have of like if you're like good at something creative and and it's it feels like it's natural to you then you're better than somebody who really rehearsed and tried and whatever like what you read last time from his his diaries like oh i never learned to to read music and stuff like that so many people say that as if like Oh, I'm 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 more special because I don't know to how to read music, but yeah. I'm really I can really yeah. But but up. also it's it's a it's a nicer story to hear. I exactly. Mean, people yeah. love stories. Oh, for, they're coming from nowhere. Yep. Uh, but people, I don't believe people come from nowhere. No. If no. you l- look into the the their real story, pretty much everybody had put in effort and had exactly projects before that that maybe didn't didn't uh, <laughs> hit it off just yet. But yep. you know. People just don't come uh, come out of the blue. No, I'd like to say totally um, true. Um, also, with the tuning, is an interesting uh, earlier version. I think it was recorded um, uh, during those uh, Love Bus sessions yep. when they were in the studio to record their single, uh, in which they play the same song in, in a different key. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's higher. There's also a live version yep. in which they use <laughs> another key. Okay, so here's the um, original version as it is on uh, Bleach. Like you just heard. go to the demo It's also nice to hear those the, the different pacing of those three versions that the early version is is quite slow yeah. um, which I think works less to be honest but yeah yeah I, I, I totally agree that it's a, it's a nice opener I also uh, think there's some interesting lyrics on here yeah um, yeah my notes I wrote down uh, the line here's another word that rhymes with shame <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that's it's interesting it's funny um, it's sort of clever but also it's um, self-referring to the process of, of writing yep and uh, Kurt did that quite a lot 
Yeah, I, I immediately had to think about the line from uh, on a plane, you know, uh, it's no time to make it unclear to write yeah. a lines that don't make <laughs> sense <laughs> or in stay away where you write um, every line ends in rhyme. I don't know why, yep. you know, uh, I think it's it's uh, yeah, it's uh, quite, quite cool. Yeah, this song also and that's also why I think it's a great opener and a great um, showcase for what Nirvana is is and and would become is that uh, the end of the song because that has that repeat line of you could do anything he keeps repeating that and that's something that comes back in a lot of songs repeating a line over and over yeah. uh, especially at the end uh, that's really nirvana like so yeah cool uh, so let's move on to the next track yep. which is the track that uh, the band wanted to have as an opener uh, it's called uh, floyd the barber Do you think this one would work better to open the album or does it really matter? No, this could have been an opener as well because I think it also fits a lot of the the things that makes the band interesting. Again, a really heavy sounding intro and then it goes to a more melodic part. Uh, But it takes a lot longer to get to that melodic part and also I think that the... The really heavy intro that this one has is um, more traditional, I'd say. Yeah. So that makes it slightly less interesting. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a boneheady riff, I think. Yeah, it's 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 classic heavy metal yeah. light. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, that's a great way to, to put it. Yeah. yeah, and also that like the fact that the drums and the bass have like the same rhythm that makes it really stern and yeah. 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 Uh, speaking of drums, um, it's not Chad Channing nope. uh, who's uh, drumming on this track. It's uh, uh, Dill Crover, because uh, this is one of the songs that's actually uh, like a, a newly mixed version of their um, earlier demo. They, in January uh, 1988, they did a recording session, recorded a demo that basically um, got them uh, the attention from Sub Pop. Yep. Um, they couldn't really get it right to record it again, or at least they like this version better. Yep. Uh, mainly because of the the drummer, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we've talked a lot about <laughs> them changing drummers all of the time, uh, but at, at this point, Chad Channing was there, was there a drummer, and he he, uh, he stayed for uh, for a couple of years, I think maybe two years or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something so, like that. But. They weren't really happy with his drumming, at least on this song. No, like you said, they did try to record this one, but it seems that Chad himself agreed that they should use the earlier version. (laughs) I don't know if he really agreed or or if he He just... He was forced to agree. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we will get to this later when we get the new drummer in Nirvana. (laughs) Yeah. Guess who that is? But that it's Dave Grohl. Oh, from the Foo Fighters. Don't tell him. No. Was a surprise. They don't exist yet. We're in 1989. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it is interesting if if you take a, a, a close listen to the drumming of Dio and the drumming of Chad that you hear a style difference um, and that even though both of them are great drummers that you can sort of get why Kurt probably preferred Dale's drumming um, just style-wise and that later on when they got to Dave they they sort of got back to that sound yeah Um, yeah, that's that, that's right. Also, um, I think Dale Crover wrote the drum parts for this song, mm-hmm. so maybe a, um, a Chad Channing was having problems in exactly copying it, yeah, because he didn't have a lot of space to make his own no. uh, version of it or his, or his own interpretation. Yeah, I can but, imagine uh, that. If uh, nobody uh, had ever told me that um, it was the uh, earlier demo version. In a, in a new mixing and a different drummer, I, I wouldn't have noticed <laughs> no. at all. I don't think that that uh, if you if you listen listen closely to the mix, this is a bit more subdued, I think. Um, uh, but that also has to do with the drumming because Chad is a um, his drumming sounds lighter. That's a slight difference that you can hear. So if yeah. you want to take a closer listen at home, then try to listen for those differences, and you'll yeah probably hear it if you l- yeah. listen close enough yeah i just said that the, the the guitar riff that drives the song is i think it's a bit of bit bit stupid actually <laughs> i guess that's such a generic metal riff yeah but i do think that it works very well in combination with the lyrics yep. which is really strange <laughs> actually um, um for those who don't know it uh floyd the barber is a character from uh, a tv show called the andy griffith show yep. from the 1960s I've never watched it, have you? No, no. But uh, to give uh, you and our listeners an impression, I have lined up the soundtrack of the show ah, nice. and also a, a, a short clip from uh, one of the scenes. So just so we get an impression of what nice. kind of show it was. <laughs> Slightly different yeah. than the Nirvana <laughs> song. <laughs> they didn't sample that. Good morning, no. Floyd. Oh, hello, Clara. Sit down. Yeah, so it's like you're uh, basically you're a cheesy yep. comedy, <laughs> family-friendly comedy show. But um, I don't know how he got the idea but um in the in his song uh, kurt cobain has all these characters uh from the andy griffith show uh, show up mm-hmm. and they um they basically <laughs> cut him to pieces uh, <laughs> sexually assault him uh, i mean how do you come up with stuff like that um i'd say drugs and alcohol <laughs> yeah <perhaps>. maybe <laughs> and maybe. just a lively imagination yeah 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 i think it's 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 funny, but it's also a bit um, unnerving, I think. <laughs> yeah, and you could you could take it as a joke, or you could take it as you know um, expression of something a bit deeper. I mean, having people from uh, a family TV show abuse him. Uh, maybe they watched that show when he was young. Yep, could be. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's or he just wanted to shock people by by using characters that they loved and then making something horrible out of it yeah yeah I, um, in the end i think um 
the balance tips towards funny for me, but maybe <laughs> yeah. that's, that says some um, troubling things about me. But, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I, I must say, I think that that's something that's that's often overlooked. I think that Kurt is is often quite humorous and light in a lot of his lyrics and people tend to forget that but he had a great sense of humor and there is a lot of that in a lot of lyrics and I think this is one of them yeah depending on what your kind of idea <laughs> yeah. of humor is but yeah <laughs> yeah for sure yeah also what I th- thought was uh, what stood out to me is that um, in the chorus he uh, morphs the word uh, shaved to shamed mm-hmm. and morphing lyrics is something that um, he liked to do uh, in a lot of his songs, yeah, I mean, true. Um, I think uh, most people will know him morphing uh, "hello, hello" to "how low." Hello, it's a yeah. classic, classic <laughs> example, of course, from uh, uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit." But uh, yeah, he did that a lot. Also, um, it's the second time in two songs that the word "shame" uh, shows up. Mm, true. I never realized that. That's interesting, actually. If you're writing, like some words can stand out to you just because. They're in the back of your mind, or they sort of fit with the, the the feeling you have. So most likely, he he didn't even do it on purpose. It was just somewhere that in his mind, and it yeah came up in a couple of songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, ready to move? Uh, yeah, to the next uh, to the next track, which is called "About a Girl." Most people will know that song as the opener yep. from the uh, legendary Unplugged uh, sessions. Yeah, which which version do you like better? I like this one better, but I think that that also has to do with something that I miss in the Unplugged version, which is the um, vocal overdub that's in this one, oh. um, because there's a really interesting harmony there that you almost don't pick up on on this one. And I wish they'd done that more often and also in the unplugged version because by then they had Dave Grohl who did some vocals as well. Yeah. Because if you, for people who who have no idea what I'm talking about, (laughs) um, um, Kurt has like a vocal um, overdub on the start of every line. and I probably I, he probably sings I do or something like that. Yeah. It sounds like I do. So he starts just the harmony starts just before the real first line, um, and then you hear him keep that note in the back, and he sings over that note, which makes a really nice harmony. But for some weird reason, it's it's really in the back of the mix, so you have to listen really clearly yeah. to hear it. Yeah. But I just... It's I, definitely there. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely there. Um, I, I, yeah. I love that. Yeah, maybe Jack and Dino as a producer wasn't really used to uh, mixing stuff like that because he uh, produced a lot of bands from um, that time and that place, which is like the late 1980s in Seattle. I don't think they did a lot of 
stuff like that. No, it there was mostly a lot of loud guitars and a lot of yeah, screaming, and not a lot of harmonies. And also, yeah. I know that they they only had eight tracks, which also was a problem with some of the other songs for overdubbing stuff. So maybe that was something that they had <laughs> a problem with here as well. Yeah, maybe. Then yeah. again, um, the Beatles made uh, Sgt. Pepper That's Lonely Hearts <laughs> on, I think, eight tracks yeah, or maybe right. even four. Yeah, um, you're right. There are complete yeah. orchestras yeah. on it and I don't know what yeah. kind of trickery. No, but I think that, that you're right in at least saying that the producer probably didn't have a lot of uh, experience with that and the band that's themselves either because I I mean uh, Kurt had had experimented with overdubbing and stuff like that uh, he was interested in harmonies um, in but pop music in general it, yeah. definitely um, maybe he wasn't knowledgeable enough to really point out how he wanted it um, that could have happened. I just think it's a shame. I would have loved to hear a version that had that those harmonies yeah. really Focusing on harmonies. perfect. Yeah. Especially because Kurt can can do that so well, and his voice suits it. So yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, I already mentioned the Beatles. Um, Kurt himself said that he listened to the. Uh, first American album of the Beatles called With the Beatles for I think three hours straight <laughs> yeah. before he wrote this song yeah so he was definitely uh, inspired uh, uh, by them or it was a great story of him or yeah. again it was a great <laughs> but story but he loved the Beatles and you can hear it in this song yeah um, but then he was um, a bit uh, nervous to bring this song to um, the recording sessions because well it's a lot of uh, um, heavy rock music and then he came up with this uh, with yeah. this pop tune uh, so he was he was afraid that the guys from the record label uh, wouldn't accept it, but I don't think they ever um, said anything against it. No, no, and he was right in in being scared about that because Sub Pop did want to get them into that more grungy, metally style. But like you say, I don't think that anyone had ever a problem with this song no and that's that's a testament to how good it is <laughs> i guess yeah or that kurt, kurt uh, was nervous for no real reason yeah because they had um, faith in him and his ability so he could basically do whatever he wanted yep. well he probably couldn't do whatever he wanted but you know putting a good song on his record was something <laughs> that he uh, yeah he uh, he, uh, he could do for sure and and this is also which I've always found interesting. This is apparently the song that their later producer, Butchvik, made interested in Nirvana because oh, he, really? yeah, he said that in the interview because he wasn't like too much into their music. That just wasn't sort of his, his music to work with. But then he heard this song and when he heard this one, he thought like, okay, so if they make this kind of music as well, then I can work with them because there's something in there that that I think I can I can work with them on. Oh, and that's nice. Yeah. yeah. So that was what what drew him over the uh, edge to uh, work with them later on. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, because Kurt had uh, had more songs like these. Yep. Uh, I mean, this is the only one on on the album, but he had already written the song Polly, yep. which uh, ended up on the, on the Nevermind album. Um, he had a song called Sappy, which uh, could have made it to every <laughs> Nirvana every album, album, was demoed for every album, but never made it yep. on. We'll definitely get back to that sometime <laughs> in the future. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So um, he, he wanted to um, explore his pop side a bit more. He already said that he liked uh, REM a lot, yep. which was more melodic uh, yep. music as well. Um, then to the to the theme of the of the song, I think it's about uh, a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, oh no, that that is what, uh, how they came up with the title, yep, right? Exactly. <laughs> that he had the, written this song and, and then and he played it for the other guys, and they said, "Oh, it's a nice song." Uh, What's it, what's it about? He said it's about a girl, and yeah, that, that, that the, the title, title stuck. Yeah, because there he didn't have a title yet. So uh, yeah, and it's it's not apparently it's not about just a girl, but it was about his girlfriend. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. His girlfriend uh, Tracy Miranda. Yep. Uh, who, by the way, also made the the, the picture on the on the front of the yep. Yep. of the album. She took the picture. Uh, um, a few months later, I think, yep. in February yep. 1989. Something like that. During, I've got uh, it somewhere during in my concert. notes. She, we, we already talked about her last time. That she she really supported the band and she went with them to gigs. Yeah. And, and apparently she took a lot of photographs and this one ended up on the, uh, yeah. on the album. And, and Kurt was basically living uh, off of her. Yep. I mean, she had a job. He refused to, to get a job. He <laughs> exactly. refused to do anything in the house. <laughs> And if they had a fight about it, he said, well, I could go live in my car. Yeah. I would be just as happy. And yeah. one day, the story goes, <laughs> she complained that um, he never wrote a song about her or for her. And then he sat down, put on the Beatles and, and cut yeah. out his song. But at the same time, <laughs> I think it's definitely an honest song. Because if your girlfriend asks, like, do you want to write a song about me? I don't think this is what she had in mind, no. <laughs> but it it feels like a pretty honest uh, story about how he felt in their relationship, or yeah. in maybe in other relationships as well, or in general. But yeah, yeah, um, I have a, I have a, a, an early version of it um, where I think it's like a like a, a solo demo from mm -hmm. uh, from Kurt. Which has a different, uh, some different lyrics as well. So uh, let's uh, have a listen to that. I do live in constant fear. I do wonder why I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he, he later changed that, but uh, yeah. yeah, but it's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we we've talked quite a bit about uh, the lyrics on this album, by the way. Um, while um, well, Kurt himself always said that oh, people shouldn't pay too much attention to it, shouldn't read too much into it, and most of the lyrics were uh, written down last minute. Yep. Uh, Jack and Dino uh, also said that uh, for this album, sometimes he would just, you know, jotting them down and say, oh, I've finished the lyrics, yeah. now I can do the vocals. But still, um, in, this is an example that he changed something. So yeah. he gave it at least some more thought. Yeah, and I think, again, um, uh, a lot of the, oh, I just did it last minute is, is like uh, the same yeah. uh, <laughs> talk that we, we we touched upon before like it sounds like nice and tough guy like uh, <laughs> yeah and I um, and I also think that it works the other way around as well I mean if, if you really don't care about the lyrics and really think that it doesn't mean anything then you could you know just make a first draft when you demo the song yeah. and then never think about it or change the word but, but he did yeah he did and I think that 
you can't say that Kurt is like the best lyric writer that was ever there <laughs> in pop music, but he did have like a, I think a, a natural way with words, especially in combination with music. I think that the way that he um, uses words and rhythm is is quite good he uses a lot of rhyme even though the 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 lines aren't always really clear in meaning he uses a lot of clear words so for a lot of his songs people will not know the entire lyrics but yeah. they will know a couple of words and a couple of lines like we said already he repeats a lot um he, he did know how to um, draw attention to certain words and stress certain moments in music by using words. So yeah. that's yeah, that's, that's definitely a craft to do that. Yeah. By the, by the way, the album didn't come with a lyric sheet. I, I was listening to a, a, a different podcast uh, the other day, uh, which also talked about Bleach. Um, the guys didn't like it, and one of okay. their uh, criticism, a point of criticism, was that they couldn't understand the word Kurt was singing. <laughs> and yeah. I can get to that, but yep. if you like me, you know, you've looked up the words. Uh, exactly. And then, well, if you know what he's singing, of course, you can understand it and hear it. But uh, yep. uh, if you've never heard it before, I can imagine that it's tough to uh, to understand him uh, yep. sometimes. Okay, so uh, we go uh, to the next track, School. Speaking of words, uh, this <laughs> yes. song only has 15 words in it. 15 words, yeah, but more than enough. Yeah, I, I think, think it shows how effective he could be as yep. a songwriter because the guitar riff is just two notes yep. on one on one string that you could play with just one finger. <laughs> cool. And it sounds really cool. Yep. And he only uses 15 words, but he can, you know, project uh, a feeling with it. Yep. And I think that's also obviously the way he sings it because I was saying like he's effective with words in combination with music but it's also the emotion that's in there this is a song that has like you say 15 words and if you have no idea what it's about then listening to those words and then in combination with the way he sings it yeah. you at least get a feeling for what he means the, the emotion in this song is is incredibly strong yeah, it's it's uh, always been a, I think a, a live favorite for a lot of fans. Yep. They, they played it a lot in their live shows. Yep. Yeah, like the groove of this song is great, and the the fact that it's so sparse in in words would make it really interesting live because there's so much you can do with it. Yeah, and also um, I've read somewhere that Kurt liked to keep his lyrics pretty simple. And sometimes just one one verse repeated over and over yep. again because he had to perform the songs live yep. and had to memorize all the words <laughs> and uh, yeah so uh, he was already thinking about that as well and yep. in this case he didn't need more I think no no to, to describe not. his feelings um, which were uh, apparently not about school as much as about the Seattle scene yep. they kind of belong to but never really fit in yeah. 
and that that felt like school for him. <laughs> yeah, like he was in high school again yep. with the you know the the groups and people staring at each other and, yep. and trying to be cool <laughs> and try to fit in, and he probably never felt that he really did. And yeah. yeah. And that's that's what the line, won't you believe it, just my luck is yeah. like, oh my God, I'm back in high school again. Yeah. <laughs> Dripping with sarcasm, of course, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I've read that uh, he even wanted to call this song the Seattle scene at one point. <laughs> oh, wow. But, well, decided against it, maybe because he knew that he would get a lot of shit from it yeah. <laughs> uh, in the Seattle scene. Uh, I mean, they were putting this out on Sub Pop Records, exactly. they were still... Uh, playing shows around that yeah. area, they were still interacting with bands yep. that belong to the Seattle scene. Yeah. Even though it's interesting that I think that this song was written and recorded before they were really into that scene because it was just starting out. Um, so he already had that feeling quite soon, yeah. <laughs> I think. And I also find it really interesting that the song that is most against the whole Seattle scene grunge thing also sounds the most Seattle <laughs> yeah. grunge thing because yeah. this is like the most pearl jammy <laughs> sound gardeny thing you can you can find. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe he did it on purpose. Yeah, like, could oh, be. I'm gonna you know, yeah. show them that how how easy it is to write a song like yep. that. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. I've also read uh, that somebody said, um, well, he decided to call it cool because that's. Um, I mean, not a lot of people can identify with somebody having something against the Seattle scene. Yeah. But a lot of people can identify with a song <laughs> that has something against school. school? Yeah. Yeah. So nice. uh, I think it's a uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's 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 one of the standout songs yep, from the album. I think. Definitely. Anything else in your notes about uh, about this track? No, I think most things we we talked about already. Again, that not just the fact that it doesn't have a lot of text, but also the 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 repeat of a line, especially at the end of a song, that's that's again, it's in here, and that's so typically Nirvana. Yeah, we're listening to just a bit uh, of the end of the yep, song because nice. now we're only listening to the like the intros and the, and the first songs, so and we can skip through it, and then we go uh, straight on to uh, Love Buzz. This one up, uh, so it would start around around the middle because we already listened to the, to the first part uh, in the previous episode when we yep. discussed it uh, uh, as a, in the single, single version. Yep. Version, and I think this is the same recording as the single version, but a different mix. Different mix. Yep. Different mix, and it also doesn't have the sound collage at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apparently, because Kurt forgot to bring his uh, cassette <laughs> where he made it on. And it's not just in the in the in the intro. I think in the like the it's the in the, the instrumental middle, what we break, just heard. Yeah, yeah, in the middle part, somewhere in the mix yeah. of the single version, there's also some 
sound collage going on yeah. and in this version there isn't but uh, apart from that it's the same yeah recording. you 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 hear a bit in the middle of it sounds like kurt's like speaking backwards or something like that that's sort of part of that that sound collage yeah which is by the way also a very beatly thing yeah, to do I definitely mean, they they experimented with that a, a, a lot yeah. both with sound collages as uh and with uh, uh you know weird voices or effects or yeah or reversing uh, lines or even exactly. guitar solos which yeah. Nirvana I think did, never did but you know he also took a, a leaf from the Beatles book there yeah and and since this is already a really uh, a song with a 60s sound because the original was from the end of the 60s it actually fits quite well here I think we also need to um, well not rectify something that we said last time but we were talking about that um, Chris Novoselic found the single, uh, yeah. the original one, and we were like speculating, like, oh, he was in Europe and he knew more about music, so he probably found it there. Yeah. Um, I actually uh, found an interview in which he told uh, about how he found the single, and he actually found it in Aberdeen. Okay. So. <laughs> there was apparently a uh, a uh, secondhand store that that they frequented a lot and was really well known in Aberdeen. Um, and apparently they had uh, the original single uh, yeah. of Love Bus and he found it there and yeah. loved it and played it to Kurt and then yeah. this happened. Okay, so... So now we know. Yeah, just to set the record <laughs> straight. Yeah. Um, by the way, this is another example um, in which Kurt kept the lyrics really simple because he only took the first verse of the yeah. original song and yeah, just changed just it up a bit and then repeated that over and over again. Yeah. If you listen to the actual uh, original version by uh, Shocking Blue, then you'll hear that there's uh, completely different verses yeah. in it as well, but he just, you know, took the core of the song. Yeah. By the way, uh, Robbie van Leeuwen, the writer of the song, yeah. called this an inferior version. <laughs> really? Yeah. Aww. He wasn't much into it. He didn't care for it much, but... Uh, no, oh, that's a shame. I think there's... I mean, his version is great, but this is this is a different version. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is also great. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's, it's a yeah. completely different song than the other songs yeah. in the album. And I... I like uh, and I think that ties in with what you were saying about how um, Kurt only took like the first verse of this song. Uh, that fits again the way he sings it because um, the original is is quite serious in in its delivery of the text, and it feels that like Kurt doesn't take it that seriously. Mm. I I like how he. He sort of mocks it. Um, Queen of my heart. Yeah, exactly. It's like, (laughs) it feels like as if he's, he's sort of like trying to, trying to mock, like uh, hitting on some girl somewhere or something like that. It's, it's like he's mocking goes, uh, oh yeah, I love you and you're great. And do you want to go home with me and stuff like that? I mean, that's sort of the way he, he sings it, which I really like about this song. He doesn't take the, the lyrics seriously. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. It's the only cover song that ever appeared on the Nirvana studio album, I think. And also it's the only song uh, in which they actually tune their guitars up. Yeah, we already true. talked about the tuning uh, on this on this totally album true. and blew it. They, they, yeah. they tuned it down, but in this case, they tuned it up for uh, some reason. I don't really know why you would do that, because you can play the higher notes and chords on a lower tuned guitar. But 
Apparently it sounded better or it made it easier to play. Made it easier to play probably, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a guitar player, so... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a mediocre guitar player, so <laughs> exactly. I wouldn't know either. I, yeah. I can't do the like the, the really fast pull-offs that he does. Right. No, that's yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I tried to look them up the other day and, yep. um, well, somebody uh, had something to say about it on the, on the Nirvana Reddit uh, page. And then somebody else commented on it that he had read that um, this uh, recording is actually sped up. Okay. But it's not. Okay. <laughs> in the end, everybody agreed that that is not. Enough. But um, yeah, everybody could see why somebody would think that because mm-hmm. it's in a higher key exactly, than all yeah. of the other songs. And he does do it really fast. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. But he, I mean, he was a good guitar player. So yeah, he was, again, he was better than, well, <laughs> he wanted people to think. Exactly. And then people took him for. Yeah. But yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty good. Maybe it's uh, also interesting to mention before we uh, continue that um, when this album first was released in the UK, um, that this song was actually not on there. No, they decided to leave off the single for a reason unknown to us. I think the official reason was that it was on the in the singles club. Um, So it couldn't be on the album, but that doesn't make sense because it was on the US album. So why? couldn't yeah. be maybe they couldn't get like the rights cleared for europe that could be yeah possibly something, possibly. possibly just to uh, to be uh, clear on uh, on the album side uh, so there is a version that didn't have this song on, on there yeah right um so uh next track paper cuts This is one of the darkest songs, not only on this album, but from their complete catalog. Yeah, Yeah, it's um, based on a true story. Yeah, apparently. There was a family in in Aberdeen um, that held one of the children, or maybe all of the children, locked up in their their room for for years, I think. For years, yeah. Yeah, and I think Kurt maybe heard about it on the street or read about it in the newspaper and uh, and based uh, this song on it. It's one of those songs that both in text and in, in uh, music needs a couple of listens before you get into it. It's it's easy to overlook because it's it's not easy to get into. Yeah. Um, there is a lot happening. But once you take the time to listen to it uh, more often, then it's a song that you start to appreciate more and more, I think. Uh, but yeah. It, yeah, it's not a, an easy listen. No, it's not. No, it's, it's in, in stark contrast with Love Bus, the yep. song that came right, be, right before this one. It's it's like um, like the the horror episode <laughs> of, of the, the song somewhere. Yeah, somewhere in between. I mean, uh, for uh, Floyd the Barber, like we said, that's more funny than really scary yep. or, or haunting. But this is yeah. Also, the lyrics are very dark, but also the the, the vocals he does, yep. the scratching sounds of the guitar. I think it's uh, yeah. If 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 you have no idea what this song is about, again, um, you you can feel the emotion, definitely. Yeah. And this is also one of the Dale Crover versions, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. 
think they, so, they didn't even try this one. I think. Oh, that could also be true. Apparently. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of those uh, things we don't really know because they um, well they had limited studio time. Yep. They only did four sessions of around five hours. Yeah, and also they were. Um, limited by uh, the amount of money they could spend, yep. like we talked about before, which meant that sometimes they didn't want to buy an extra reel of tape. So if they um, recorded something and they didn't like it, a lot of the times they taped over it. Yep. So we don't have a lot of uh, no, no other, extra other versions, no extra versions uh, or something, or that halfway the song they cut it off because somebody made a big mistake yep. or, or, or whatever. We don't have a lot of extra stuff from it from this album which nope. i think is a shame because it would have made a uh, very interesting listen yeah yeah definitely uh, fun facts about this song um <laughs> not a fun song but fun fact this is the only song that has the word nirvana in it oh that's in my notes as well <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah which is which is nice yeah and also interesting that it's um like i said one of the most dark songs and that's where he uses the yeah well, pretty light uh, <laughs> name of the band, yeah. Also, we can hear uh, another version from this song because um, there's, an, there's an earlier version of it uh, out there. And I think this is, uh, again, from the Love Bus sessions, Yeah. which would mean that it's uh, Chad Channing who drums it. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure. What I do know is that, again, it's in a different key. Right. So they form, it, I think, half a step higher than uh, the album uh, version. Yeah, so um, again, um, they decided to try this song in a different key. I don't know why they tried that for a demo or why they uh, in the end decided to um, to use um, the key they did but uh, i think it's interesting that they switched it up yeah and and it it has even though it's it's only a small difference you've it has a different feel to it i think yeah um, just a bit yeah not that this is more happy but it's sort <laughs> no. of um uh it also has to do with with the vocals um they're a bit slightly uh, more clear, I think, and mm. a bit more, a bit more open, I'd say, than the version that's on the on the album. Yeah, and I, I, I do think it's great to hear that the, the the squealing bit he does. It's it's not by accident. No. I mean, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, he definitely. knew what he could do with his voice. Yeah, um, and you can hear that because he, well, he did it on the on the earlier demo uh, as well. Exactly. Also. Um, Jack and Dino later said that he did most of the vocals in one take. Yep. So, um, yeah, he was really good at it. Yep. And a lot of people think that all he could do was was scream and he wasn't <laughs> really a good singer. And uh, technically, maybe he wasn't, but he knew what he wanted to do and he was able to do that. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what it, matters. Exactly. It's, it's, I think it's different from, um, like, the... the, the, the punk mentality um, where it was more or less um, um, the, the, the screaming that went on in there I mean there were exceptions uh, obviously but that was more like oh we'll just we're like anarchists and we'll try everything uh, but Kurt definitely went beyond that and and studied 
that and and made his own version of that yeah um which which is really interesting and like you say i think it's it's really a, a, an interesting remark like he did that on the first demo and i did it here again so he he knew what he was doing and what sort of effect yeah. he wanted to uh, to have yeah he wasn't improvising in studio no. or you know it, it wasn't a lucky shot no no no, no. So um, that was that was a, a paper cut. If I'm correct, uh, this is the close closing track of side A on the original version. Exactly. Album, right? Yeah. Yep. Because but because we're doing the re-release with the two extra tracks, we have an extra track on side A as well. Yeah. Uh, which is a negative creep. This would would have been the opening song for side B. Yep. Um, how do you like it? It's a, a bit too straightforward for me. I think it doesn't show off what Nirvana can do. <laughs> yeah. And do you mean lyrically or musically or and both? Both. I yeah. think both. Yeah. It's not bad, but it's. Yeah. Well, I, th I think the lyrics are bad. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In, in all of the other songs we just heard, there was something funny or clever yeah. or at least yeah. effective. And here, just you know, I'm a negative creep and I'm stoned. I don't know. No. Yeah, I can. But he. I he, see why it appeals to 15-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think. But I, he, I, I he, like, dis he dismissed yeah. it later on himself. Uh, I think uh, Kurt Cobain. He. Uh, but didn't he? Didn't they keep? No, keep on playing it. Yeah, I but mean, he he um, apparently said in an interview that although he he liked the song itself, he wasn't proud of the lyrics, but he was uh, trying to be uh, like uh, a, a Sex Pistols, Johnny Rotten kind of okay, guy. Sure. Um, so that was what he was going for, and he that <laughs> that worked well, but it wasn't yeah. really. I, th I think he was too in intelligent and layered exactly. and artistic for that to, exactly. to keep on doing that. I and, mean. and also, I think that, that what he probably missed here, I, the, the interesting thing is we were just talking about how he had a sense of humor. Um, and if you look at the Sex Pistols and, and Johnny Rotten, they were like, all of it was, was fake. It was full of weird humor and it, it was like a pose. Um, and I think... In this song, uh, I think Kurt sort of got it wrong and then <laughs> took that Sex Pistol thing seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's why it turned out so so badly lyrics-wise and also slightly music-wise because it just like a serious version of the Sex Pistols makes no sense because it's yeah. just 
Dam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that would be a great title for a song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like the same story as the song a Creep from Radiohead, mm-hmm. which was also like really, yeah, too on the nose and they later yep. dismissed it. But then again, a lot of people liked it. Yep. I mean, just singing I'm a Creep apparently appeals to some, <laughs> some people. Yeah, but the, the, the weird thing with the Radiohead song is that because the, um, the music and the lyrics uh, feel like opposites, you think that it might be ironic while in this case uh, music and and lyrics are so straightforward that there is no no opposition there or no irony or whatever yeah Uh, but I I do remember that somebody once said in an interview that Kurt didn't really thought he was the uh, the first person in this song because he wrote it about somebody a neighbor or something like that who okay. he saw as, 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 as a guy who would, you know, go around his life as a negative <laughs> creep. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, could be. Yeah. Have you ever heard the story, by the way, about the, the guitar thing in the Radiohead song from no. Creep? You know, uh, right before the chorus, the guitar comes yeah. in really like... Dur-dum, yeah. Dur-dum. The story is that the guitarist didn't like the song. Right. And he tried to ruin the recording <laughs> by doing that. And then they kept it in. Yeah, because that's that's one of the best things of the song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. great. True. But then again, I don't know if that's an actual yeah. fact or it's myth-making it, yeah. once more. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, I've dug up an uh, interesting uh, uh, cover uh, version of this song by Machine Head. I uh, specifically uh, chose this one because uh, I think it's such a metally sounding song and while Machine Head is a metal band and they uh, really bring that uh, forward. you're bobbing your head yeah, a bit. Yeah, I like. I never heard this one, and this is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> you think this it's is, better than the uh, than the yeah, version? Yeah, because it's like okay, they. It feels like they got the song and <laughs> and, and made it into what it should have been. Yeah, because it's a metal song and yeah. they're a metal band. And yeah, and it's really yeah. it's it's really tight and and where I I think that the Nirvana version feels sort of. It's it's not quite there, and yeah. this one is nice. Yeah, oh, okay, great. cool. Glad, glad you like it. Yeah. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm not a very big metal fan, so I mean, I thought it was fun to listen to it, but yeah, it's not something that I will uh, uh, play on a daily basis. But do you do you think it's better than the original or? Mm, yeah, I, th- I think it, it better serves the song, but mm-hmm. it's it's um, it's not just. The style that I like. No, no. And uh, well, in fact, I must say that um, Nirvana is pretty much the uh, loudest rock music that I appreciate. Right. Yeah. So uh, I mean, for a lot of people, it's the most uh, uh, <laughs> light and pop uh, exactly, yeah. side of of, uh, uh, yeah. of the music that they like. But but the, to me, I like a lot of uh, uh, more quiet music right, and yeah. more pop music and and even uh, country music and singer songwriter stuff. So. Uh, to me, Nirvana is like the <laughs> the end of the line. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so this is a bit uh, across the line. Yeah. <laughs> I get Over the it. line, yeah. Yeah. 
But uh, but uh, yeah, they they definitely made it work. It, there, there are quite a lot of covers uh, from really? this song. Really? Yeah. It's interesting. I wouldn't uh, have imagined that too. I, I even found one by Didi Ramon. Oh right. I haven't lined it up, but I can I can check for you if you want to. Yeah, I'd I can really imagine that's something that, that you're uh, you're interested in. Uh, well, all you would have to do is. Um, Say something uh, interesting. So I have, oh, a, I have a fun fact. While okay, you're while you share the fun, fun fact, fact. <laughs> I will see if I can find that version. Yeah. Um, well, apparently, there's. Um, we were talking before about how Kurt got his lyrics and stuff like that. Um, One, two, three, four. I was faster than you. I'm yeah. Sorry. That, that was the wrong. Right? Okay. That yeah. sounds like the wrong. No, apparently, um, that line, like Daddy's little girl and girl no more, is probably came to him because there was a Mud Honey song, Sweet Young Thing Ain't So Sweet No More, which is... Aha, uh-huh, and that's a, a song that I did line up. Ah, that's good. Okay, so, so yeah. first we're going to go uh, <laughs> have a listen to uh, Sweet Young Thing Ain't Sweet No More uh, by Mud Honey, which is a song uh, that came out the same year, I think. Exactly. Maybe yeah. a year before that, it, uh, the, on the same label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that song was already out there before they recorded this one. So it yeah. could have been that that line was in the back of Kurt's head and that's yeah. why he came up with this one. Yeah, okay, let's have a listen to Mud Honey first and yeah. then we switch to Didi Ramon. read that he got uh, some some criticism for for uh, quote-unquote stealing the line which i think is ridiculous it's it's it, not the same it's um, not the same words it's not the same music it's just the same structure of one sentence exactly and and this is childish. typically uh something that that like i said is probably in the back of your mind and and sort of unconsciously pops up while you're writing and and even if he did plagiarize it by by making his own version of it then it's still yeah that happens all the time yeah i mean i'm pretty sure you can find a sentence like that in uh yep. <laughs> in rock history way before <laughs> madhani came up with it yeah. i mean i, I don't have, i don't know um uh, from the top of my head uh, no. an example but no I'm, I'm, but it, there's yeah. probably a lot more yeah. of those yeah if you do know a line like that from rock history <laughs> you let can us know. let us know <laughs> yeah you can send us an uh, email on Sherwood podcast at uh, gmail.com and if you think what's that weird email address then you haven't listened to the first episode <laughs> no, that's right um there is uh, <laughs> explained um or you haven't listened to the robin of sherwood ep- uh, podcast oh, which yeah. is not a podcast that i make about um the tv show robin of sherwood and i was too lazy to make uh, another email address so if you want to reach out to us send an email to sherwoodpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook if you just go looking for Nirvana podcast, and we should uh, come up uh, pretty uh, yep. pretty soon. So um, we've listened to uh, Mud Honey. Now uh, all that's left to do is listen to uh, Negative Creep by Dee Dee Ramone from The Ramones. One, two, three, four.
So, how um, do you compare this one to Nirvana and or Machine Head? <laughs> well, they, they made it into a Ramon song, which is, is excellent. I'm not sure if it really works. <laughs> no, his voice sounds really weird. Yeah, I do want to listen to all of, all of those um, covers now because apparently there's something in this song that makes it easy to sort of adjust it to the style of your own band, which is yeah. kind of interesting. But yeah, this again, one I, I, isn't, it doesn't, yeah, doesn't work yeah. for me. So I think that uh, that brings us to the end of uh, side A of uh, yes. the Bleach album. I think we've talked about it uh, quite at enough. Least, <laughs> at least uh, three times as long as uh, yep. uh, the actual uh, uh, seven songs um, are. Wanted want to do like a evaluation of uh, the first side of Wanna Wait. Um, do that at the end of the album. Well, we can conclude at least by by saying that. For me, at least, this is um, a really good A-side, an introduction to a new band. Um, we have heard a lot of different uh, sides of the band. I yeah. think, actually, we we basically had uh, all of the different things that Nirvana can do at this point in their career um, on, on the whole A-side, which yeah. I think is great. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, we have, like, the... The heavy sounding rock with negative creep and Floyd the Barber uh, and School as well. And we had the pop tunes of uh, About a Girl and Love Buzz and a bit of um, some songs in between like like Blue. And then we have Paper Cuts, which really is like their dark side. Yep. And more, maybe even more artistic side. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go... Um, Go listen to uh, side A of Bleach, yep. everybody, if you haven't already, or maybe you haven't done it in quite some time because, uh, well, you know, it's it's a 30-year-old record. Yep. Last summer it was uh, uh, their uh, 30th birthday. And it's it's well worth the re-listen if you haven't listened to it in a long time. It's uh, There's so much interesting stuff on there that you might not have picked up on. Um, yeah. So uh, do uh, take a listen. And if you hear something on there that you think is interesting and we haven't talked about, then let us know. Yeah, and also if you have made your own cover version of yes. Negative Creep, <laughs> let us know. Then or if, you, if you're inspired now to make it, go make it and send it yeah. to us. <laughs> yeah, then, then if we get enough, then we're going to do a uh, completely uh, complete episode dedicated to uh, Negative Creep uh, covers. Oh yeah, that would be good. Yeah, nice. or, or not. Or not. Or not. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, Yuritja, uh, thanks for uh, joining me. Uh, uh, thank you for inviting me again. Podcast. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Also, I want to thank uh, Joop Hulleghi for playing our theme music on the piano. You can check out his channel, Nirvana Piano, or Piano Nirvana. <laughs> I still haven't looked that one up. <laughs> on which he plays virtually every Nirvana song uh, on a piano. Which is great. Yeah, it's a great listen. Yeah. And also, um, if you're enjoying our podcast, then please um, rate us, um, subscribe to us, stuff like that, because that makes it easier for other people to find this podcast as well. So please do. Yeah, well said. Thank you for listening. Until next time.